Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irina Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. I'm also a dating coach and a consultant for the dating app industry. And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia, and a therapist in private practice. All views expressed on this podcast are our own and not our employers. Our special guest today is Stuart Chaseman, who has risen to social media fame after his appearance on the first season of the Netflix show, Jewish Matchmaking. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about the dating world and everything else. How are you ladies? We're doing great. How are you? You gave me a look like that wasn't an appropriate time for me to. She in. has a, she'll <laughs> do fine. like a little, she holds for a second and gives a little bit of an intro, okay. but we can work any other way. No worries. Keep that in um, there, please. Reality TV dating shows aren't usually hilarious, but Chicago and Stuart Chaseman changed all that with his quips on the first season of the Netflix hit Jewish matchmaking that follows in the success of shows such as Indian matchmaking. The musician and school supplies entrepreneur in his early 50s, he mentioned on the show that at 51 he was reading at a 56-year-old level, didn't find long-term love on the show, but he definitely stole the hearts of fans. The Chicago Daily Herald called him the star of the show. Women made TikToks left and right about how much they enjoyed watching him. Let's find out what all the buzz is about. Stuart, welcome to Strangers on the Internet. Were you surprised to get so much social media attention as a result of your televised love journey? The truth of the matter is, is the night that I saw the show, I was not happy with that edit at all. I had this sinking feeling in my stomach that, oh my God, this thing's going to tank. And based on that, I was shocked that obviously something resonated with people. I'm not saying this to brag. I know that the degree of attention I'm getting on social media is greater than the other cast members, at least um, the, the amount of positive attention I'm getting. I know some are getting negative attention. So I, I don't have an explanation for it. I'm extremely flattered. I didn't know what to expect, but this has lived up to all my expectations. I'm getting recognized on the street. It's 99% positive, except for one conservative pundit. Um, somehow um, saw me on TV and had some less than kind words to say, but I, I've been extremely flattered and honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I think we'll get into that some. We might have an idea about who that pundit is, but you don't have any kind of guess about what resonated with viewers about you. You know, I um, I had heard that there was buzz around you prior to seeing the show. So when I got into the episodes with you, I was like, all right, let's see what all the buzz is about. I have my own theory, which is it's like a you have a Pete Davidson-esque quality to you. Oh, my you. God. I never heard that before. You, you have? I don't know if that's no, it's, it's all Honestly, I never heard it prior to the show and... I am not exaggerating when I say I've probably read that maybe 75 times. Is that right? Yeah, I get it. See, I think it's that wittiness. People love somebody who is just refreshingly comfortable with themselves, quick-witted. I would imagine a lot of it is that. But do you truly not have any idea? Have people given you clued in about what it is that they... Well, uh, well first of all, surprisingly, Kim Kardashian is not returning my phone calls despite that <laughs> okay. linkage. I would hope, and I don't know, I would hope it has something to do with the fact the way that I approach this is with a degree of honesty and integrity and authenticity. Uh, I think it was P.T. Barnum that said... Um, and don't quote me on this. I think I'm getting it right. P.T. Barnum said one of the best qualities to have is sincerity. And if you can fake that, you got it made. <laughs> and um, but I, that that was me that I read a couple places like, oh, I really loved that character you played on Jewish matchmaking or something to the extent like that can't really be him. That has to be like an exaggeration. I'm like, that's kind of me. I, I, I don't know why you don't think it can be me. So I, I can't speak about any of the other cast people and how they approached it. In perfect honesty, I haven't watched the entire series. 
all I could say is that I went into it. I was myself. I didn't try to play for the cameras. I just tried to focus on the date in front of me. And for better or worse, that is what it is like to be on a date with Stuart. Uh, nothing is scripted on these things. Uh, the one thing I, as I referenced earlier, the one thing we don't have control of is the edit. But um, that was me. And I hope that's what resonated with people. You said you didn't like the edit. What was your sense of how it came across? I'm sure I'm much more picky. It's kind of like when you look in the mirror and say, I look terrible and everyone else says you look great. There, there, there's a lot of stuff get le- got left on the cutting room floor. Uh, there was a, ho- a whole um, afternoon I we taped with a dating coach and I was wearing my favorite outfit of everything I had um, ready for the shootings and they didn't use it. I thought we had some great footage. Uh, we had, I don't have any family um, really to speak of. So they asked me to get some friends together to do the uh, proverbial background at Stuart. Like, oh my God, we so want Stuart to meet someone. We don't know what the problem is sort of footage. My friends all came down and they didn't use that footage and I don't know why. And then that's fine. I, the, by far my biggest bone to pick is the fact that they told me they would use like 20 or 30 seconds of me playing a song acoustic, which I said, you know, I don't care about much, but this is what is really important to me. I'm a musician. And I picked up the guitar. I wasn't, I didn't know that at that particular day, at that particular moment was when we were going to do the song. But I'm like, okay, I'm ready. That's cool. I pick up my guitar and I'm like, let me just remember what key I play this in. I'm like, I would play. I'm like, no, that's not right. And I moved the capo. I'm like, I would play. I'm like, no, that's still not right. Hold on. Uh, okay, I got it. I got it. And then I played it perfectly. And the 22nd chunk they used was me screwing around trying to remember what key it was in. And I actually, um, there was a cast event in New York, and I actually um, got to talk to one of the producers. And I guess he's been following me because the first thing he said, he's like, oh, this is Stuart, the man who's not happy with the edit. So then he just, I, I said, I wasn't happy with the edit. I'm like, that that was the one, that was such a cheap shot, in my opinion. Why did you do that to me? And he's like, oh, that was great footage. That was just seeing what it was like being a musician. I mean, I don't think it made me look like a total idiot. I just would have rather them use a chunk of me playing the song. But you, you know what you sign up for. All, all things considered, I'm very happy with um, the reaction I'm getting, so I can't complain. I think, I think... If I were to complain, I would come across as very unappreciative. I was given an incredible opportunity that the overwhelming majority of the world is never going to see. So I, I really can't complain. So what motivated you to go on reality TV to find love in the first place? Well, I've tried everything else. I've tried all the apps. I've tried going to bars. I've tried reading books. This seemed to be something that would be up my alley. I knew even if I didn't meet somebody that there'd be so many positive benefits from it, potentially. I'm an entertainer. I like attention. I I mean, the idea that there would be like 15 people revolving around me and someone would say, okay, wait a second, Stuart's got a little... A bit of sweat right under his eye and then like four people would like run over to take care of it you know that that was right up my alley I had no issue with that at all I think when it really hit me the the size of the project and the amount of people involved and the fact that everyone was flying into Chicago and it was all revolving around me was I had to take a COVID test which is the norm these days for just about anything and they told me um, exactly where I need to go to is all set up And this was way outside of lockdown. This was after everything was more or less fine. And and I went in to get my COVID test, and the woman was positively frazzled behind the counter. Like, she was so overwhelmed. And I'm like, are you busy today? And she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, well, what's going on? I'm like, it's not the heart of COVID by any means. And she's like, I don't know. There's some sort of television crew in town, and they're all coming in to get COVID tests, and we're swamped. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is all here because of me. And it was like this, I mean, no pun intended, but there was like this reality check sort of moment. And I'm like, oh, boy, I, I, you know, I signed myself up for something for better or worse. Here we go. 
And you said people recognize you now just walking down the streets and things like that. Have you had people approach you either on the street or through social media or anything trying to date you or to set you up with somebody that they know? I have had that. Typically, it's something like, um, yeah, like my third cousin who lives in an institution, we have a really hard time fixing up and we think you'd be a perfect match for her or something like that. Uh, people are all over the country, which is somewhat problematic, but I'm getting people write me, people post, oh my God, Stuart's the perfect guy. And I'm like, oh my God, if someone would have told me that in high school, you would have saved me so much aggravation. I, I mean, I certainly don't think that's true, but I'm very, very flattered. Of all the videos I've posted on TikTok and places like that, there is a video of me that I did not post that somehow has gotten 2 million views. It's a girl explaining why other guys should try to emulate me. And I'm like, you know, good luck with these tricks. They haven't worked well for me, but run with them and see what they do for you. So that was that was pretty. I mean, the fact that two million people are watching me do anything is just kind of mind blowing to me, let alone having a woman saying that I'm the embodiment of something that other men should try to emulate is just again mind blowing to me but yeah i get recognized on the street i mean it's not there's only one time that it was like sort of like a beatlemania sort of moment and i assure you beatlemania i'm exaggerating by a factor of about a hundred but the only time there was like a beatlemania sort of moment was when i went to a jewish greek food festival in new york which i didn't even know jewish greek was a thing i mean not that i didn't think it was possible that jews could be greek but there was a Jewish Greek food festival and I walked around pretty much unnoticed. And then someone asked me to take a picture, which happens. And it was like, she broke the seal. Like there was, must've been a lot of other people thinking the same thing and saying, maybe I shouldn't. And as soon as she broke that seal, it was like, Oh my God, people are all around me with cell phones. That was probably the only one moment that it was actually kind of intense for a little while. But I love meeting people. I'm a people person, you know, and it's all positive. And I've been waiting for this for 30 years. So, you know, it's great. Wow. Well, I, look, we, we all have our theories as to your, your rise to fame, but I definitely think that especially as one looks across, I'm trying to say this diplomatically now, not toward you, but toward other people, um, as, as one compares you to some of the other men, not only on that show, but also on other reality TV shows, like compared to the kinds of things they say about women and about the world, you just seem so different, right? Like your approach seems much more humane. And, and uh, the fact that when asked about your, your dating values, you talked about tolerance for other people, like for people who are like, in a sense, it's not even your problem, right? Like you were talking about tolerance for gay marriage, right? And in that sense, um, I think that really resonated with people when you compare with people who are like, well, I want the woman who's blonde and has green eyes and, and does this and this and this and this. So I, I think that's some of the some of the distinction. The, the other thing I was going to ask you, as you mentioned, being on the apps, and of course, we talk about the apps a lot on our show. What's it been like for you over the years using the apps? Like, have you enjoyed the people you've met? What have been some of the good and bad experiences? You know, I've I've had girlfriends from the apps. I've had great relationships. Um, if you meet the one you're supposed to be with on the apps, then apps are great. If you don't meet the one, then apps aren't apps aren't so great. I mean, I don't think there's any real real predicting that. I kind of want to address the first part of your question, though. I don't know if people are giving me so, too much credit for um, not being superficial because if you, the segment that you alluded to, do you remember how I ended that sentence? Oh, the one, unless you're hot. Um, but, you know, but then you made it clear that that was a joke. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I made it clear that I joke. wanted you to think of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely would agree. I saw such differences, certainly on the show, between what you said you were looking for and how you responded to your dates. You know, it wasn't like, when they do the post game asking about the date and how it went and things like that, you know, you weren't 
focused on the more superficial elements. You were focused on how well you guys were connecting and on seeing the good in that person. And I think that certainly is refreshing for a lot of us out there to, to know that there are some people who still approach dating that way, because you certainly had people's worst fears confirmed by some others on the show as well, who were like, well, they weren't tall enough or blonde enough or things like that. And so, so I'll be honest. And maybe you could even give me some input as dating coaches. I've never understood the thing about not addressing religion and politics until you're far enough into the relationship, because if that is a priority to you, when are you supposed to figure out that it's not going to be a match after like the third kid? I mean, if this is something important and if it's a potential deal breaker, I they say not to address it on the first date. I want to know that prior to the first date. I mean... If you have a deal breaker, I mean, I guess you can't give someone a whole exhaustive list on your first phone call because it'd be a bit overwhelming. But I mean, I know even in Judaism, someone who's extremely religious would be a bad fit for me. Not so much that I couldn't accept them, but I don't think that they would be able to accept me. And I know at this stage in my life, I wouldn't be willing to change at least in that way. So why not address that and figure out if there's no compatibility there? Uh, I I was being pretty sincere when Elisa asked me that question because that would be a deal breaker for me. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. I, I could be friends with someone who has some different views than me, but core values, I think there's, and you know, they certainly don't have to line up to a T, but certain core values, I think, you have to share in your partner. I think we would tend to agree with that. And that is something we have recommended to our listeners multiple times is it's okay. And in fact, encouraged if you know something is a deal breaker for you, we suggest having like three or four of those, not more than that, because then it really is like, you're making it hard for yourself. Are you really considering these things a deal breaker or, you know, or is it just preferences because beyond three or four, you know, maybe you are being a little overly picky from the outset. Of course, it's anyone's choice, but we is tend that to say, what my problem has been this whole time. I have 147. Could be a little bit of an issue for you, but I would say we do tend to encourage people. If it's a deal breaker for you, let that be known from the beginning. And some formats do allow for that easier than others. Now, my guess as to why people may advise not doing that probably depends on what it is that you're looking for on the apps because not everyone is looking for marriage you know and so maybe they aren't even looking for that long-term compatibility and for others you know some just don't consider things like religion or politics a deal breaker there's plenty that don't and so i think those who are giving the advice are giving it from the vantage point of we don't consider those things to be deal breakers but if an individual client of a matchmaker or just individual dater does, I I would tend to say, yeah, let that be known right away. I think on the apps, it's easy to do by just saying, if you have, if you're this or that, you can go ahead and swipe left or, or just letting it be known what are values of yours. It can be something you put in a picture, like you have a pride flag in your picture, you know, that's going to give context to somebody who would be offended by that. And we tend to advise if you know, it's a deal breaker for you, We'd agree with you. Put that out there right away. Not all. I have put things like that on my profile, and a not so funny story, though it is ironic, given um the current comment online about me, is I dated a girl who pretended to be a liberal for about two years until she couldn't stand it anymore, <gasps> and not only were her political beliefs not aligned with mine. They were just the most vile stuff about welfare mothers. And I'm like, I'm, and then like, it was almost like she was bursting at the seams and it was finally, and I'm like, who are you? Why did you waste my time like this? I mean, why did she? What is wrong that somebody would want to to waste each of your time that way. I mean, did you ever get an answer to what that was about? I just think the rest of me was so attractive that she couldn't help herself. You did talk about on the show trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So I, I guess on that note, if any women are listening, um, certainly feel free to apply. Um, supporters of 45 need not apply. Well, the other 
thing that's so puzzling to me is that the preferences you expressed are like pretty mainstream because it's basically saying someone who's liberal and is like ideally culturally Jewish and not too religious. Like that's not exactly, yes, sure. I mean, if you're depending on how strict you are on someone needing to be Jewish, that is a smaller population. But in a city like Chicago or like New York, there are lots of people who fit that description. So it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as some unusual weird thing. Now, your story about the, the woman who lied for two years and wow, I think one problem that people have who are like educated but not liberal is they're actually having a hard time finding like, like not having to give up on one or the other. And perhaps like somebody who's a woman, especially uh, is going to have like a conservative educated woman might have a harder time finding a man who let's say is still okay with her having a career or with her having an equal say or other things she might want, even though she's politically conservative. So I'm wondering, and I can only speculate here. I'm wondering whether that played into the decision to just say, hey, I'm in Chicago, most educated people are going to be liberal. I guess I'm just going to lie and then keep doing it for two years, which just blows my mind. Oh I my guess goodness. it's one, just one of those things like you take it day to day and before you know it, you just keep stuffing it and stuffing That's it. That's right. Well, actually, I have a follow-up question for you about that because it is something you brought up on the show. You said that sometimes you've known by the second date that it wasn't going to work out, but you just kept going, you said for two years or more. And so do you have insight as to why you were doing that? Was it you just liking some other qualities about them so much that you were like, maybe this will overcome this thing that made me think it's not going to work? Um, or any other ideas about why you've been so hesitant to call it off, even when your instinct was, I don't think this is going to work? You know, there's a whole multitude of reasons. It might be easier if I put you in touch with my psychiatrist and he could try to fill you in. We'll get you, you to know, sign I, that waiver after the show. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start to answer that, but I'll try to give you the best answer I can. One is I was exaggerating. I was blowing a quality I have out of proportion. If I know on the second date it's not going to work out, I'm not going to date her for two years. But sometimes early on in a relationship, there'll be something you're confronted with that you ask yourself, can I live with this or is it a deal breaker? And you try to tell yourself this isn't a deal breaker. And then a few months go by and then it starts getting more annoying or whatever that quality is. And, you know, you start to doubt yourself when you haven't met the one yet and you're like, well, maybe this is what it's supposed to feel like. Maybe I do have too many deal breakers. And, you know, there's been relationships where I've had to say to myself, ultimately, it's not fair to the other person. This person deserves someone that loves them to death. And I'm not doing them any favors by trying to force a square peg into a round hole. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe if we had a session together, not on the air maybe you could help me get to the bottom of this more than i can i suspect there's some people pleasing in there i su suspect there's self-esteem issues in there that oh i should just be happy that someone's willing to accept me who am i to be the one to reject her i think there's just like so many different factors at play but mostly it, it's just tough when you're just constantly evaluating the person and you're not sure if this is a deal breaker or not. And then it just kind of, and at some point deeper into the relationship, you might get some clarity as to something you think, well, why didn't I have clarity on that three months ago? So what has been your longest relationship and why, according to you, did it end? Well, we're getting up there. We're at 24 minutes and 37 seconds. So that ranks... Well, I have one relationship that we dated somewhere between three years and 11 years, depending on who you believe. But my version is three years. You could kind of fill in the blanks what our different versions of certain time periods were. But that, that really seems to be usually the time I get to around three years until... That just seems like a point that you have to say to yourself, if this isn't heading towards marriage, it's time for us to say, even if we're having fun, even if we enjoy each other's company, we need to not waste each other's time. 
I've had serious relationships and it and sometimes it's taken all my strength to say, you know what, we just have to rip this band-aid off because despite everything that's good, we make each other crazy. So yeah, anyway, um possibly as long as eleven years on and off, but as far as a solid I usually hit that three year mark. So how was it for you working with a matchmaker and had you worked with a matchmaker prior to working with Aliza or was that your first time? I had worked with a matchmaker once before, but I'll put worked with her in quotes because it was more like giving a matchmaker my money and getting frustrated and waiting for a phone call. It was a rather economical matchmaker and you get what you pay for. Uh, With Aliza, my interactions with her were a bit limited I think had had I approached her outside of the TV show, it might have been a different experience. I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag when I say when it comes to reality TV, to some extent, the reality should be put in quotes. I mean, nothing scripted. I don't know that you can call these dates. There are camera shoots. There's lights all around us. There's people all around us. The first time I met Aliza was on camera and to the best of my knowledge, the women were already picked out for me. I think she received some information to go on. I just don't know that my experience with Elisa was a good example of what a traditional matchmaking experience would be given the fact that we were doing this for a TV show and her hands were tied as well as mine. I'm in no way criticizing her and her approach to this. I I, I suspect she's pretty good at what she does. I, have not really used a competent matchmaker like Aliza in a long-term capacity. I've had some interaction with Aliza since the show goes on, but it has not been in the capacity of finding me a match. So it seemed like you you did hit it off with Pamela uh, on the date. Like what what happened after the show? And I, I do know from your Reddit thread that they switched around the two dates, right? That the one we saw second actually happened first. Um, so yeah, you know they try to do things to fit their narrative. They wanted to make it seem like the first one went bad, so they had to keep looking, and then they found the next one. Nobody put any words in my mouth. My exit interview, I don't think reflected the actual flavor of what I was saying based on the chunks they took. I said something like, I definitely felt a connection with Pamela, but I'm thinking it might be more of a friendship sort of thing. And what you heard on TV was I definitely felt a connection with Pamela. I I, I think we both kind of, you know, distance is a factor. She lives in New York. I live in Chicago. I think we had a lot in common, maybe too much in common. We've kept in touch, mostly on social media. She's extremely busy. She's constantly touring the country. I I forget if they highlighted this. In in addition to being a comic, she's also a disability advocate, and she goes different places to talk about that. She's an extremely fascinating person. If we lived in the same city, maybe we would hang out and see where things go. If it's meant to be, who knows? We're still in touch with each other, but I I think we felt more of, I I don't know that that extra element of chemistry was there. I don't know that compatibility in and of itself is enough without a little bit of that butterfly thing going on. Have you thought about moving to a place like New York and sort of just to check out the options here more generally? Or are you, you're so rooted in Chicago that that's off the table? I would definitely pick up and move for the right person. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense to move to New York and say, hey, I mean, maybe my soulmate's in Boise, Idaho. I mean, why? I mean, who knows? Probabilities. I mean, Chicago is an, <laughs> an awfully big city. There's an awful lot of people here I still haven't met. And I don't know that I believe in soulmates. In the tradi- I don't think there's just one person out there for me. With all the women in Chicago, it's hard for me to believe that one of those people I wouldn't suit their needs and they wouldn't suit and wouldn't be a mutual good fit. So I'm kind of just going to keep hammering away at that. Having said that, if I'm at an out of town wedding or something and I meet someone and I'm like, Oh my God, this is the person. And they're the same way about me. Then, Hey, I, I would pick up and move. I mean, what's more important than that? What's more important if you can't, figure out a way to disentangle your life enough to move for that. I mean, people move for jobs and a job isn't half as important. 
if you can't figure out a way to get to another city, if that's where your person is, then you don't deserve to find your person. Dang, I know there's some people who love hearing that point of view. You know, it makes me think you're very clear on how important it is when your priorities, I guess, as far as finding your person and being able to be with them is very high up there on your priority list. And you intend to act consistently with that. So in the dating market, we're always evaluating what are the strengths and weaknesses of a potential match. And we should be doing it about ourselves too. What would I consider to be my potential strengths and weaknesses that I'm bringing to the table? And so for you, I think I would argue that your willingness to prioritize the relationship and being there with the person would be considered a strength. What are some other strengths and what are some weaknesses you feel like you bring to the table as a partner? Uh, I I am not going to tell you my weaknesses. There's plenty. Of, I could give you a list of people who will elaborate on all my weaknesses in great detail. And I don't even know if I'm a good source to tell you what my strengths are. Again, and we kind of touched on this before, I would say one of my strengths would be honesty. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, maybe if you say, does this dress look good on me? I'll figure out a way to say, you know, you are so beautiful. It's a shame for you to wear something that isn't quite up to your caliber of beauty. And maybe you should consider a different dress or something like that. But for the most part, I'm not going to play games Uh, And maybe that's the problem. Everyone says they don't want games, but I think unless you have some game, I I don't know anymore. But I'm just a really straightforward guy. I'm an honest guy. I'm somewhat successful. I don't claim to be anything I'm not. I'm not a millionaire. I'm just going to put it out there like it is. And um, I don't know if that's a strength or a weakness, but that's kind of the only way I know how to be even in friendships or anything else i've never been a braggart obviously i have things going on in my life right now that are somewhat enviable some people might think so i don't have any adversity to sharing what's going on with me but hopefully it's not to a fault i'm also interested in what's going on with the other person and you know i don't want to ever approach it like i'm bragging about anything you know, I feel good about what I have to offer. That's the other thing. And if someone doesn't appreciate me for who I am, then what's the point in pretending to be something any different? You mentioned that, um, you mentioned on the show that your parents were very much in love and, and maybe you said maybe set the bar too high. Um, do you see yourself as a romantic, like with fairly lofty aspirations in, in dating? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Like I said, um, the idea of being with somebody where that butterfly feeling isn't there, just kind of throwing in the towel and saying we make good companions and that's good enough. I just don't see at any point doing that. If I die single, then I'm just going to have to die single. But, you know, if I have to wait till I'm 80 years old to meet that person, I think it would be better than settling for someone less than that at 27 years old. You know, you could check back with me when I'm 80. Maybe I'll say, no, I had that all messed up. You guys should have set set me straight. But there has to be someone out there that's both very compatible with me and gets me extremely excited to see them and makes me want to be with them all the time. There has to be both. those. I, I mean, I feel like I've had each side of that equation, so I know what it feels like on both ends. You know, I've said before, I need a woman who's a good cook. I need a woman who's really, really attractive. I need a woman with a great career. I need a woman with a great sense of humor. And as long as none of those women ever meet each other, then I'll probably be okay. But um, as far as having both halves of that equation, there that has to exist somewhere in the same person. It can't be that hard for me to find. You're right. It doesn't sound like there are really unusually rare things that you want there. And so certainly we'll wish you luck with it. I do think it's so nice and refreshing to speak with somebody who does feel so confident about I'd be just as happy being alone. I'd rather 
not be in a relationship with somebody who's not going to be my person and wait around for the person who would be and just kind of, you know, be happy with myself in the meantime. Because so many people struggle with that, with this idea of my own company is good enough and and I can hold out for and, and be still content in my life until I meet that person. And if I don't meet that person, you know, I'd be okay too. I think it speaks to that sense of integrity that you've kind of carried throughout that we could see on the episodes. And you even said on the show that it's important to you to live your life with integrity. So acting consistently with how you feel and how you see things. Have you found that to be a challenge with dating? Or do you find that it's easy to meet people who also lead their lives consistent with what they say their values are? Well, I gave an example earlier of, of someone that clearly yeah, you didn't did. do that. And I'm not... I'm not a priest or a rabbi. I swear I do stupid things. I do things I'm ashamed of. I do things I regret. So I don't want to put myself out there like I'm some sort of like, but I just do my best as far as the whole integrity thing goes. Yeah. And we'll emphasize for our listeners, you know, I think at least what I am hearing and thinking about integrity is acting consistently with what you value, not always that your values are the utmost highest standards for everyone. But if you're saying you believe something, making sure your actions align with it. And I mean, you do the best you can. I think, I think when you do something that isn't aligned with your integrity, there's a little bit of discomfort that goes along with that. And you think like the payoff is good enough that I'm going to deal with that. And then the discomfort keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you can't digest it anymore. I used to, um, when I bought, and I felt totally comfortable doing this when I would go to movie theaters and buy tickets for the movie. I'd go up to the kiosk instead of like where it's not a regular person to buy the tickets digitally. I could see you have this look in your face like, where is he going with this? I would um, buy tickets for like a senior or a child or something like that to save the money. And I felt totally good about that. And then one day it's just like, why do I have the right to do that? And it just didn't feel quite right. But no, I'm going to keep doing it. And then after a while, it just kind of occurred to me, does it really, does the $3 I'm saving is compromising my, is that all my integrity is worth is 3 or $4? I would hope not. So I, I forget what your question was, but I think we all just try to do the best we can and again, there's people out there that are living lives with more integrity than, than me that do things above and beyond anything I could think of as far as charity work and things like that. I don't think I need, I don't think I should be held up as any sort of example, but I am someone who does the best I can. And my expectations in a partner, I just want them to do the best they can as well and realize sometimes we fall short of that. That seems more than fair. So you've alluded to it earlier uh, in this conversation, but let's get it out there. So conservative commentator, or one might say agitator, Ben Shapiro is all up in arms about you lately. And he called you on his show something like the most intolerant person on the planet because you only want to date women with liberal values. Tell us more about what happened here. I was shocked. You know, I assumed I was somewhere in the top 10. I didn't know that I was the single most intolerant person on the planet. I must have moved up a few notches. I think he's probably somewhere on the list, too. I just thought I just think he was completely off base. You know, people are like, don't let it bother you. I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I think it's more of a reflection on him. All I said is the values that I'm looking for in a partner and maybe he's disappointed because clearly they're not his values and maybe as a thing for me. I don't know. That's my theory. But the fact that I expressed some political beliefs or alluded to some political beliefs that differed from his and said that was what I was looking for in a partner made me the most intolerant person on the planet, which I was unaware of that. I'm quite certain that Ben Shapiro has certain qualities he looks for in a partner that include, he's an Orthodox Jew. I suspect he wants somebody who is a very, very, very religious Jew as well. Does that make him the most intolerant person on the planet? I know he's on the complete opposite side of the political spectrum as me. And I suspect he wants someone who's on the same side of the political spectrum. Does that make him the most intolerant person on the planet? 
You know, I don't really know. The part that I fault Ben Shapiro at the most is not taking a shot at me, but I don't think there's this huge, vast divide that the media perpetuates between people on the right and people on the left. I think everybody wants basically the same things. You want a better life for your children than what you had for yourself. You want an honest wage rate for an honest day's worth of work. You want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and everything we're promised in the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, so some people might live in a big city and some people might live in a small town and that might reflect on our values. Some people might be progressive. Some people might be conservative. And it's people like Ben Shapiro that just makes it seem like there's this huge wall. And all I did was express some preferences in the person that I'm ultimately with. And I'm sure... He believes the same thing. His ultimate beliefs might be different in terms of what he's looking for in a partner, but I think what he's looking for in a partner, he wants his partner to match his values the same way I want my partner to match my values, even though they're different values. We still have that same core belief that that needs to be a match. So I don't know why he singled me out like that. I'd like to be on his show to discuss it further. I'd love that. I think it would be worthwhile seeing because truly it's so confusing to understand why would somebody care about what choices somebody else is making for their personal dating slash romantic life, which as you've said, you're you're really trying to narrow it down to just one person. So we do have to set some standards for finding the one person who is going to be most compatible for us. But in saying that you prefer to date people with liberal values, it's not like you're ruling out you know, four-fifths of the population or anything. And not only did he criticize me for that, they actually went as far as putting that, like, devil effect on him where he tur- So, you know, that they put some effort in making it sure everyone knew that Ben Shapiro thought I was the most intolerant person on the planet. So I'm actually a bit flattered by how much she put into that. I really think that he hated how popular that moment became, like where you spoke out. And instead of saying, as I was alluding to earlier, instead of saying, I want a woman who's blonde and this tall and all this stuff, the thing that mattered the most to you was that that person not be, you know, what you consider to be in, Michelle and I consider to be intolerant, right? Of other people, of gay people, etc. And you know, I think that was it, right? The, that, that love, actually, I think that people had for you uh, in that moment and people sort of quite cheering at their TV when you said that, at least a lot of people, uh, I think that really bothered me that this was on Netflix, right? On, the, on a major mm-hmm. show that you were out there and you were saying, this is where I draw the line and that that was your focus. And your focus was on people not like him. Right. And, and I think that that was it. And so he had to sort of put that out there. But another thing I wanted to ask you about this experience is, are you concerned because of his high profile and many sort of troll followers? Um, are you worried about experiencing online or other harassment as a result of the stuff that he put out there and that spotlight that he put on you? I mean, we all know what they say about sticks and stones. I, I, I like attention, negative or positive, as long as they spell my name right. I don't want to take anything. I have nothing against Ben Shapiro whatsoever. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him. He's very successful. He's written books. I think he has a radio show. I mean, more power to him. He's made his career out of trolling liberalism, and I just happen to be the one on in his radar at the moment. I don't I don't take it personal or anything else. The fact that somebody probably found me interesting enough that they brought me to Ben Shapiro's attention and say, hey, why don't you riff on this guy? I'm fine with that. I would just like as loud of a microphone as he has so I could retaliate and say my opinion. Like I said, if anyone out there has any pull, I'd love to be on his show. But if I saw him on the street, I'd be more than happy to have a cup of coffee with him. I, I, I think I think there are people in the world that try to build bridges and there are people in the world that try to build walls. And I want to be one of those people that try to build bridges, if at all possible. I doubt he's a terrible guy. He's just someone who has some different opinions than me. And I would look forward to the opportunity to sitting down with him or anyone else and sharing some ideas. 
That doesn't mean I necessarily want that person as a soulmate. That's the only thing I was saying in that one moment. I didn't say everyone who thinks differently is from me is bad. I didn't say anything to that effect. When it, I, I think there's a higher bar when it comes to finding your partner in life than just about anything else there is. And to me, having compatible values, I think, is totally reasonable. Yeah, that sounds suspiciously tolerant of you that you'd be willing to have a sit down conversation with her. I know. Who would have thought that? That coming from the most intolerant person of the planet? I, I can't believe I was capable of that. Your reputation might be damaged forever having admitted this. But to your point about, again, about compatibility, you also said something when you were giving your list of, or at least the list they were compiling for us as viewers of what you were looking for in a partner. And I think it might have been the last item on the list, but it was where you had said you are really passionate about music and you were quick to qualify. I don't need someone else to be passionate about the same exact thing as me, but it would help if they were passionate about something. And I, I certainly can understand that. I think that aside from relationships and the joy that just having that close connection with a soulmate, a life partner, that's one really wonderful life experience to have. But it's also wonderful to feel engaged in a certain activity that there is some other element of life that speaks to you, that you can do yourself, that you can invest your time, energy in and, and get better at, grow in. And for you, music has called to you. I certainly think it makes a ton of sense to want to find somebody who, if you feel really passionately about something, that they also have something. So, so while it may not be the same thing, that you each can understand, here's why I give of my time and energy to this. I, I value getting excited about this. And so I think that was really lovely that you weren't like, they have to be a carbon copy of me, but we want to have some common commonalities that we can bond over in terms of our level of interest in a certain thing. And so we know that music is, is a big passion for you. Would you say your number one passion? I don't know that I could put it above and beyond love. I don't know. Right up I, there. I, I mean, it's, cer it's certainly up there. I spend an awful lot of time with it. I'm I'm really proud of what I've done musically. I haven't won Grammys. I haven't sold a million records as of yet, but maybe we could do this again in a year from now and I'll keep you posted. But just the art in and of itself is something that I'm awfully proud of. You know, there's probably musicians out there who make cheese ball music who have sold a million copies of something and I don't know that you could feel as good about that if you know that you're catering to the latest trend or something like that. As a writer, I think if you listen to just any three songs of mine, you're going to walk away thinking you know something about me that you didn't know going in. That's just the type of writer that I am. I think if I wasn't a musician, I would just find a different outlet to do that with and put all that in there as well. I'm, I'm pretty good at writing prose as well, even though I've never really pursued that. And I forget your initial question. Was it something about needing someone to be equally proud about something? No, I was sharing an observation that I think that that's really nice and makes a lot of sense. It's nice that you weren't like they need to be a carbon copy of me, but I appreciate if they have a passion. But no, I was just curious to hear more about your passion for music and if there's I mean, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners about that. About what that's well, been like. Is this life. the tailor made spot for me to promote myself a little bit? Yeah, tell us about your All latest right, album, yeah. Secrets, Lies, and Alibis, which I have listened to and it's lovely. And we are putting. Well, you tell me about it. Then. Well, you know, I am putting the info, we are putting the info in the show notes uh, for your website where people can listen to it on, on Spotify and elsewhere. So, yeah, it's. I appreciate that. It's definitely, you know, it's. Uh, I think what you're saying is very much accurate. I do think people are getting a, a good sense of who you are and it's very vulnerable and and heartfelt and i i think it's going to to resonate with the right with the right kind of person
What's it been like, you know, making that album specifically? And you've, you've had a lot of other big things going on in your life around the same time. So how did you kind of emotionally manage all that? Uh, well, first I'll say about the album. The album was written over the backdrop of my father dying and a long-term relationship ending that I thought was the one. And there's just a lot of emotional stuff going on. And I think that comes through in the music. The title, Secrets, Lies, and Alibis, actually comes from a song on the album called Little Girl Blue. The line is, um, uh, secrets, lies, and alibis lead to the regret I see in your eyes. Um, that was written about a very specific person, Little Girl Blue. Blue isn't, she's not literally the color blue. Blue is blue as in sad. Are you blue today? It's about someone who has their walls up that as hard as you try, you just can't get there. She just won't let anybody in, and it's very frustrating. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that on the record about um, relationships that I had, and it the timing that I'm on a dating show looking for someone and here's kind of a diary of some past relationships. You know, I certainly recognize the irony. It was just kind of lined up that way. I honestly, for better or worse, I find pain, sadness, drama, all those things much more motivating as far as art goes. I might have said this on the show and I don't know if it actually made the final cut. I don't know what I would do as an artist if I ever met someone, woke up happy every single day and life was great and all we did. I don't know what the hell I would write about in those circumstances. But, you know, just like we're talking about on the show, that was the real me. The album's the real me. I think if there's a running theme to these things, it's authenticity. Like I said, I'm really proud of the record. You could like it. You can not like it. But I think if you listen to it, you'll think this person put himself out there. This isn't songs about, this isn't bubblegum pop music. No, it's definitely not. Um, and, uh, you know, many of the, the lyrics are very, very beautiful. Um, and I do think, I, I do think many of our listeners will get a lot out of listening to it. So I hope uh, they, they check it out. Thank you so much, Stuart, for this wonderful conversation. Um, did you want to conclude with, with any thoughts about, you know, the, what, what, what you would like to tell other people who are maybe also on the search for love um, and, and to sort of like stay motivated and, uh, and kind of hang in there? Would you have any parting words of wisdom? Absolutely not. I have, I have been no place to make any sort of um, recommendations. I, I cannot be any sort of motivational speaker in this area. All I could say is if you are a female and you are still looking for love, I am still on the prowl. Go to StuartChaseman.com. You have a multitude of reasons for going there. You could um, go there to hear my music. You could go there to set me up with your mom's lawyer's best friend you know, whatever it may be. And um, hopefully um, we could check in again at a later date and I could have some happy news. I met someone because of your show. We would love that. That would be lovely. We're still waiting for our first Strangers on the Internet wedding. So maybe it will be you. I'll, I'll do it live on the air or whatever it takes. <laughs> you know, put the word out for me. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. All our platforms are accessible at strangersoninternet.com. Again, that's strangersoninternet.com. There's no the in there. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter, Instagram, or Mastodon, where we are on the Fostodon server with two S's. I would like to thank my husband, Carlos Frini, for sound editing, as well as Vlad Kujuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. Just like a rolling stone.
Christian home, so the song goes. Had I only known for certain what lay beyond the curtain down the road I chose. Died as a demon. It's always by my side. Here comes that old feeling. I'll never be satisfied. I would pay for all of my sins just to hold you tonight. If I could Shiny, I'm 
for all 